0: This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. The 2023 World Athletics Indoor Tour will include more than 50 events so far in the next year's calendar. The best track and field athletes in the world coming together in a celebration of diversity, human potential, and athletic achievement. And joining us to talk about World Athletics now in its eighth season and track and field in general are two very distinguished guests. Max Siegel is the nationally renowned sports and entertainment executive and CEO of USA Track and Field, or USATF. Max has also worked in NASCAR and in the music industry. Max, welcome to Sports Jam. Thank you so much for having me on this fantastic show. It's an honor to have you on the show. And also joining us is Kara Winger. As she nears her retirement in the javelin throw this year, she placed second at the World Championships. She went on to win the National Championship and the Diamond League, going out on top in the U.S. Great to have you on the show, Kara.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to be here.
0: So let's start off, Max, with you. Can you describe what World Athletics is all about and your involvement in it?
2: Yes, uh, World Athletics is our global federation uh, that is comprised of 21 countries, and we are a proud member of that. Uh, I lead the United States Federation. I have uh, also in the past chaired the Global Marketing Commission and Advisory Council for the Federation and they provide oversight uh, for the sport. We're collaborating currently on repositioning the sport and growth in the United States of America. And we're just really heavily involved in everything from, uh, the women's commission, the global diversity, the competition side. And so members of USA track and field are represented in almost every aspect of world athletics.
0: Speaking of those athletes, Kara Winger has been such a terrific Olympian four time track and field Olympian, in fact, in the javelin throw. And as we mentioned, she is on paper, not officially retired yet, but, uh, In her mind, she has made up her decision. How difficult was it to finally give up something that you have been participating and excelling in for so many years, Kara?
1: Well, Doug, I struggled i don't think i fulfilled my ultimate potential um even now but in those middle years it was really hard to kind of decide what i was still in the sport for and i actually decided to retire after eugene world championships the first time that usatf has had that meet on home soil so world athletics came to us um in like the fall of 2017 i'm from the pacific northwest and i said to myself like i've kind of been sort of purposeless In these middle years, there are injuries, blah, blah, blah. But how can I give myself a deadline that I know I can meet, that I know I can accelerate towards, and then kind of wash my hands of this thing that I still love, but maybe my body isn't capable of doing anymore. So to go out the way that I have.
3: Really good release. Good hit on it. Improves on that lead
0: right now. Is anyone having a better week than Kara Winger? What a fantastic throw and now she's got a, she's forced to make a very important decision. Does she hold true with it and retire or does she get to come back to the world championships? Her very first diamond league gold as she holds up that beautiful trophy.
1: I spent some time after winning the Diamond League final and earning a buy to Budapest 2023 World Championships, um, considering if I wanted to use it or not. But I just I got absolutely everything out of track and field that I needed to um, with fantastic leadership, with fantastic teammates, with a really, really wonderful global experience. And then finally, all of it coming together to surpass my wildest dreams. So I don't need anything else from sport. Um, it was the best decision for me to make that choice four or five years ago and really stick to it. So I'm looking forward to the future, being involved in new ways.
0: You know, many athletes make that decision, Tom Brady, right? To go to football and then changed his mind. Is there any possibility that Budapest in 2023 will come a calling again in your mind?
1: No. I think that I've spent, I know what it feels like to not succeed at world championships. I know what it feels like to not meet my own expectations. And now that I finally have, I am ready to walk, you know, the other way, walk a different path, play a different role. Um, I want to still be there, but I'm going to be supporting teammates in new ways rather than as a teammate. Um, My coach, My strength coach of 13 years, Jamie Myers, he is of the USOPC, so there's a great relationship there as well between USATF and the um, Olympic governing body, Olympic and Paralympic in the US. He called me the John Elway of the javelin, and I prefer that to the Tom Brady analogies that I've heard recently.
0: Fantastic. Great comparison.
3: And in a moment, Carol Winger. See if she can keep that momentum going. She has that big smile. You know, she was the flag bearer for Team USA at the closing ceremonies at Tokyo. Really one of the great, respected athletes for all of her involvement over the years. Nine U.S. titles. Her final season as a competitive elite javelin thrower. Trying to win one of those medals on her sixth and final throw.
0: Oh, she's done it. What a huge throw for Carol Winger.
3: That's how you retire from an elite javelin career. We'll wait for the measurement. And she's the silver position.
0: Max Siegel became the fourth CEO of USA Track and Field in May of 2012. And since that time... He has led the USATF to financial growth and programmatic evolution that are unprecedented in the Olympic family. How did that happen, Max? Why are you so good at what you do? Well, first and
2: foremost, we have an amazing product. We have the best athletes in the entire world. Uh, I've been around the Olympic movement for the last 30 years. Uh, From the moment I got out of law school, and I always marveled at the fact that the United States athletes won the most medals. They were the most prolific and impactful globally, but we had to catch up on the commercial side of the business. Uh, And so for me, I wanted to use all the skills I gained over my entire career uh, in the entertainment industry and NASCAR and as a lawyer, and really kind of marry that experience and skill set with the assets that we had. So we really had to start from the very basic foundation of the organization and align it with our mission uh, and then we had to take a look at what we needed from a resource a staffing standpoint and develop assets that were attractive to you know commercial partners uh, and so for me it was really uh, the most difficult thing was uh, reconstructing the infrastructure uh, making sure that we had the appropriate resources to, to with the mission but the product i mean our athletes were really easy to sell and so we just went out, uh, you know, taking really small steps to give people confidence that investing in USA Track and Field as a business would uh, definitely give a return. Uh, and the other thing that we were doing is that we, we've we been really deliberate about the diversity of our organization, diversity of experience, diversity of thought. And I think that, you know, with our diverse athletes, our staff and our way of approaching things and thinking, we became a really attractive property for those that wanted to partner with us. So I give the credit to our athletes and an amazing staff that we put together uh, and partners who support us.
0: Spoken like a true leader, giving credit to those he has to work with. Max, you've done an incredible job. When you think of USA track and field, obviously we think of the Olympics, but world athletics, there are some differences. Can you explain them for our audience?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that has been frustrating for us all is that, um, you know, our amazing athletes uh, participate in the sport virtually year round every single year. Uh, In addition to that, and I'll go back to our elite athletes, you know, as a federation, we oversee everything running in North America outside of the collegiate and high school system. So whether it's the Boston or New York Marathon, you know, we are the governing and sanctioning body, the Junior Olympics or the Masters uh, Championships. So we have an opportunity as the number one participatory sport in high school and middle school uh, to have cultural impact. But on a yearly basis, our athletes compete You know around the globe whether it's in the diamond league we have domestic opportunities in the united states as various levels to participate Uh, and so for us it is you know a pretty uh, active and robust sport and we're excited about even rolling out things in the future now in the off years from the olympics we have world championships so whether they're the indoor world championships or the outdoor world championships we have the opportunity for our athletes to um, participate internationally. In fact, uh, we put out, we put together and send out about 15 to 20 international teams around the world every single year. So there's a lot of activity that's happening, a lot of opportunities for our athletes to participate. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it's wonderful to watch our young people in the pipeline uh, participate in the under 20 events. And, you know, we have elite teams there. And so... Many of the stars uh, that are either soon to retire uh, that are competing right now have come up through our youth ranks in the organization. So there's always something going on in track and field domestically and globally.
0: What's always exciting about the U.S. track and field team is the great female athletes and Kara being one of them. Kara, do you consider yourself a role model for others who want to be able to throw javelin, or participate in any of the the wonderful events in track and field?
1: Well, that's my favorite thing about track and field, right? Is there's something for literally everybody. Um, there's everybody type out there. And for young girls, that's especially important to see that um, I'm maybe different from my peers, but there's somebody who looks like me that's throwing the shot put super far or the hammer or jumping over the bar in the pole vault. And I love being a part of that as a woman. um, I grew up in lots of different sports. And when I finally found Javelin, it was the last sport I ever tried. And it just made sense for me. But nobody, I never saw that in, you know, media. So I just had to happen upon a coach that thought it would be a good idea. And now with social media, there's such an opportunity to show girls like who might find you just looking for people that are like them or something different or something unique to participate in um, to show them how it can be done. So, um, you know, through my injuries, through setting an example in returning to sport and sharing about the whole process transparently, um, I would be very silly if I said I wasn't a role model. Um, I've had to battle back from a lot of stuff and that takes a certain kind of like empowerment from the people around you when there isn't a whole lot of, uh, praise from the outside world when you're really in the thick of it. So it's really been helpful for me to, share my journey just because I want to. And whoever comes along, I am absolutely happy to have. And in the the giant scale of track and field, you know, you at CETF, Max just mentioned that there are so many events to keep track of that I think they do an excellent job of pointing directly to the athletes, like directly to the people on social media who are telling their own stories. Um, Because that's really the only way that you can um, tell all of them is to empower the athletes themselves to do it and help as much as you can along the way while you're trying to keep track of hundreds of events in a season. So I love when I get messages from people who have just tried the javelin for the first time, whether they be 12 years old, um, girls in middle school, or 94 in the master's world. It's my favorite.
0: You think about how much we've grown as far as learning about athletes through the years, they would say, you know, football players were, were not intelligent. No, I always thought it was the reporters didn't ask intelligent questions when it, when it came to, to dealing <laughs> with athletes, but Olympians... When we see those special videos, there's always great stories of triumph, of tragedy, overcoming tragedy. It's part of the Olympic spirit that we get riled up as fans when we root for, you know, Kara Winger and others. It's, it's something special about Olympic athletes and something special about USA track and field. You had a great career at Purdue University. You became uh, the first female athlete from Purdue to qualify for three Olympic games. And I just spoke with Nancy Lieberman, right? Who's getting a statue uh, raised in her honor at Old Dominion. And she remembers when it wasn't so easy for female athletes to get the recognition and even get scholarships. And she was put down when she was playing basketball with 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 the young boys in that how do you feel we are right now with female athletics? Are, are we really getting to a point where we're getting some equality like we need to have?
1: I think it starts with awareness, 100%. So seeing a statue go up of a woman on a campus is a huge step. Um, when I competed at my fourth Olympic Games in Tokyo, um, the the true just highlight of my career was being voted Team USA Closing Ceremonies flag bearer by my peers, Um, so I think like my answer to this question is that the women who are playing that role are pointing to what everyone should be consuming, which is their fellow women. Like I, you know, I was 11 months post-op my second ACL. I didn't achieve my dreams, um, on the Olympic stage, but the women around me supported me in a way that I can never repay and still can't wrap my head around. Um, I try to do that every day in my job at an organization called Parity. We are directing funds to women athletes um, with data statistics like values driven and intentional sponsorship matching just for women. But parity is just part of a tidal wave of organizations like that, that are highlighting women on social media, in media, in research, um, in all kinds of, you know, new key performance indicators that tell the world that women's sports are worth watching and women are worth paying um, within those sports. Because it's very exciting. We're just behind. We're just behind the men. And all we can do is keep pushing forward. But again, women that are already in the sport, um, like Nancy, like you mentioned, are pointing to the progress that we've made and continuing to push that progress forward. And I'm proud to be a part of it.
0: Another example of an Olympic athlete who is so well spoken about not only her sport, but aware of all the surroundings about her. Max, you deal with all kinds of athletes through the years, and you know that uh, it's important that their message gets out there. I could ask Kara the same question, but I'm going to ask you because you've been surrounded with great athletes all your life. What does it take to be a track and field star or an Olympian? Mark Spitz, the great U.S. swimmer, told a crowd when I was at uh, one of his clinics in Montclair, New Jersey, many years ago, that that's the question he gets most from parents. What does my son or daughter need to do to make the Olympics? And after he, he lists like, 70 events that they would have to win to get to that level <laughs> they realize it is a huge climb so what does it take
2: it takes a lot of hard work resilience dedication focus um, but i'm going to go back to a couple of things i'll say you know care embodies everything that it takes to be a leader um you know i think three things that we strive for you know competitive excellence constantly training and developing uh, world-class athletes and coaches. And I think a unique thing that Olympians get to do is have cultural impact. Um, and so for me, I think that um, there's there, there's something. If you think about the universe of athletes and you think about how few uh, can make it and realize the Olympic dream, you realize all the hard work and dedication and years that go into to, to doing that. Um, I do think that um, it is uniquely competitive. Um, and I think that, um, you know, out of all sports, it, it you know, it is, you know, it, it takes every ounce of their being to achieve that dream. But to be a star and to be effective, I think you have to be uh, everything that Kara is, you know, uh, in, in role model is an understatement. She inspires women. She inspires young people. She inspires peers. She inspires us. And, and, and so for me, I think that the Olympics uh, are uniquely situated as a platform to have cultural impact. And I think the sport of track and field has been at the forefront of it, you know, from the very beginning. And in addition to that, I would be also remiss if I didn't mention the fact that you know, as a sport, you know, we've had parity in terms of women and men competing for the same prize money, you know, USA Track and Field as it relates to, you know, maternity leave. So it is wonderful to see, you know, our common purpose here is to create a lifelong connection to the sport. So to see athletes like Kara transition from actively competing to still being actively involved in parity and having an influence in, you know, where investments go as far as, you know, the commercial dollars, but inspiring the next generation of leaders couldn't be more rewarding. So, you know, being an Olympian is a unique, unique honor that um, people dedicate their entire life to achieving.
0: The point system in track and field sometimes can be a bit confusing for the, the novice viewer. The point system in the world athletics championships. Can you describe that for us a little bit, Max?
2: Yeah. You know, for me, I think that you've touched on a key opportunity for us in the future. Uh, You know, those, what I would call track purists really understand, you know, whether it's world rankings and the point system to get your marks and to qualify. But I think that we have to do a better job of simplifying the sport at the end of the day, fans want to see great head to head competition They want to see, you know, who uh, is the best athlete and at the end of the day, be able to crown a champion. Um, The fact as the CEO of USA Track and Field that I have, you know, my motto as a lawyer has always been to take an incredibly complicated uh, situation and break it down in the most simple form. And the fact that I can't articulate it for you right now uh, demonstrates that we really have a lot of work to do to make it accessible and understandable to the general fan.
0: Kara, you're smiling. I think you want to add to this.
1: I agree completely with Max. Um, The simplification is really important. The only reason that I feel well-versed in it is that I'm part of an event that doesn't have a ton of qualifiers. So in terms of making teams, you need to either have um, a standard to make that team or the results score, the performance score, the world ranking to make the team. So there are a lot of women and men in the throws, especially the javelin who have like been on the edge and doing the math, um, you know, communicating with my event group members about what their possibility of making each team is. Like that's something that my friend Ariana Ince is very well versed in because she's been on that bubble way too many times for comfort. So it's really an understanding born from necessity. Like I have to get it because I need to know if I'm going to make the team or not. Um, We are lucky in so many other events in track and field that we're so deep that those calculations don't matter as much. But that's part of my motivation moving forward as well. Like I want equity for women for sure in all sports, but um, I want to help the javelin specifically too. And the, you know, you talked about the women of track and field. I was so proud to make it true that we meddled in all four women's throwing events. Um, and I believe all field events in the women, um, for USATF at this year's world championships. Uh, but that's kind of just the start. Like I want to have led for a long time in the sport, in the event, but now I want to help other people both be their own leaders, like in the event as athletes, but also, um, figure out ways to help people increase their understanding so that they can really leapfrog me, um, as I exit the sport as an athlete, but contribute in new ways. So yeah, I get it. I can explain it, but it's still complicated and we can figure out better ways to translate to a wider audience for sure.
0: Fans of this podcast know I like to ask a similar type of question for our guests. You get an opportunity to go back in time, Kara, in the uh, way back machine, you could say almost. uh, And you get to pick three female athletes to go on a road trip with across the U.S. and spend some time. They can be current, but I prefer if maybe you dug back into history and picked out three female athletes. They don't have to be Olympians, but three female athletes that you would like to spend some time with on that road trip, and maybe why.
1: You know, I've heard so many stories about Wilma Rudolph in many different contexts. Like she's not just a track and field legend, but I have had the opportunity to do some interviewing of fellow women athletes in other sports um, whose moms were also also athletes. Like I'm old enough that my mom didn't get to be an athlete. Um, you know, Title IX is only 50 years old and she graduated from high school three years before its inception. But these other women, these peers that are 10 years younger than me, like their moms have stories about how cool Wilma Rudolph was. Like she had impacts on um, these women who are only a generation older than me and I would love to do a road trip there hear all the stories Um, I have to go Serena Williams right now I got to retire the same week as Serena Williams you know maybe she'll come back and I hope that she does did Um, you grab more
0: headlines than she did
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was the week that I broke the American record um, for PR for the first time in 12 years. So I can't say that. Uh, her as an inspiration wasn't part of that. Um, and then I think Babe Didrikson, like she was our original uh, Olympic medalist in the javelin, but also went on to absolutely crush LPGA records in an era like way before women were supposed to have been doing such things. So um, I think that crossover is really cool. And to to kind of break boundaries, set limits, or set an example um so so early and something so unique as the javelin uh i'd love to hear about
0: i'd love to be a part of that road trip because those are three great uh people to to go on a road trip and and to talk about sports with and and life in general
3: down to the final three winger had that big throw in the final round to take the silver medal in What she said is her last world championship appearance in Oregon, here's the sixth and final throw. Oh, and it's big.
1: It's huge.
3: You see the digital mark for the longest throw in the world this year. She is sort of coming to grips with what she did as we watch the replay here. She's just in a groove and you know what that's like and you said it, it only takes one good one.
1: Yes, Kara is just an inspirational story that all of your effort, all of your previous reps really matter. She steps up thinking this is her last season to put it all together and has just reached a new level of performance.
3: And Tiana, it's an American record, 68 meters, 11. Her husband there, Russ, saying, oh, my goodness, this is maybe not what we expected, but when they write the... Movie scrim for Kara Winger's career, that will be a a superlative. 223 feet, 5 inches. She's now the 12th all-time performer in
0: the Javelin. Speaking of going back into history, there's a Green Bay Packers helmet that uh, is signed by uh, the late Reggie White, and it's a very significant piece of memorabilia that's sitting behind Max as we talk here. Max, can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so probably the two most uh, important individuals in my professional career, uh, both that gave me an opportunity and formulated my approach to my work were uh, the late Tony Gwynn, who was also on my wedding, and the late Reggie White, uh, who both as a young lawyer gave me the opportunity to first be their attorney and then their sports agent. Uh, And so for me, I learned so much about you know, respect for the game and your craft, to get up and outwork everyone else, um, to be an example for people, to have, you know, to think beyond what you do on the field of play and to use that platform, you know, to make the community and the world better for everyone else. And then also to kind of reach back uh, and give a shot to future leaders and those who are aspiring to be there. Um, You know, I I had the privilege of having Reggie uh, officiate my wedding and Tony was also in my wedding, uh, and to have and, and it happened today on October the 19th. This is my 26th anniversary, and the reality oh. of the situation is the date came about because it was the only off weekend that the Green Bay Packers had, and they let Reggie come and officiate the wedding, and it was a week after the season before Tony Gwynn had Achilles surgery. So what was supposed to be the February coming up, they decided for my wife and I that we were getting married on October the 19th, which happens to be today. So uh, two amazing individuals that really, really gave me my shot and uh, continued to, to, to be an example for me, uh, both on the field of play and as just incredible human beings.
0: Yeah, that we both lost way too early. Boy, when you talk about two classy, wonderful people, you will never hear anybody say anything bad about either Reggie White or Tony Gwynn, beloved by so many. Well, congratulations on uh, you know how that, that whole anniversary there, because that's uh, that's something extremely special. When you think about Max, where we are with track and field right now, Usain Bolt, I mean, it, it became probably one of the most incredible names, and, and still to this day, everybody seems to compare Usain Bolt to, to everything. Is there an American athlete that you feel has done the same for the sport of track and field?
2: Um, well, you know, certainly uh, Allison Felix has used her platform to not just be the most decorated athlete in the sport, uh, but also to, impact, you know, effectuate social change. Uh, I couldn't be more excited about some of the younger athletes that are coming up, you know, whether it's a Sidney McLaughlin. I mean, I, I, you know, someone will kill me if I don't mention them because we have so many great athletes. Uh, But what's interesting about it is, you know, Usain Bolt became and is a global brand, but with social media and with the opportunities that our athletes have, I look at what impact they have at a grassroots and a community and a local level. And I'm just really, really proud to watch our athletes, all of our athletes um, use their platform on a daily basis to really uh, impact, you know, their communities. So for us, I think it's it's critical with the Olympics being here on home. So you know, the World Championships in Eugene, Oregon, for me was an opportunity to reintroduce the sport to people domestically. I can't tell you how many phone calls I got from people that have never talked to me about my job to say, Hey, I watch it. They're excited. And to know that the Olympics will be in Los Angeles in 2028. I think we all need to kind of work together uh, again, to reposition the sport, to build the brand, uh, to, to take use this as a catalyst for the Olympics and to really dig down deep and tell the stories of the amazing athletes. What I will say is I think both of you guys mentioned it. We have, such a diverse group of athletes, um, you know, such amazing and incredible backstories and, you know, stories of their life. I think we just need to celebrate them and we need to continue to put them in front of, of, you know, everyone in the world, you know. And so for me, I think we have a tremendous opportunity with the Olympics coming up to build the brands of our athletes and make them the household names that they deserve to be.
3: Away they go, safely this time. Head
1: down. Veronica Campbell is running very well. So to in lane two, Torrey Edwards. And Campbell is up on Sanya Richards at the moment. Felix is behind them. Coming to home straight with Felix getting into a running now. Felix and Campbell going clear of the rest of the field with Tory Edwards in third place. And here comes Allison Felix. Alison Felix is going to win this by a huge margin.
0: A goal recently set by World Athletics President Sebastian Coe was to put the face on the sport and having fans truly get to know the athletes. And we talked about that a little bit. So track and field could become a top five most watched sport among Americans by 2028. Is that going to happen, Max?
2: We are engaged in a joint collaboration with World Athletics. Uh, What we did here initially uh, was we did research to kind of give us a baseline as to where the sport sits. And now we're putting together the strategy uh, to do that. And again, I think that when you connect the dots between Everyone in the country that identifies themselves as a touch point, whether, you know, they're a field athlete or whether they're a casual runner. Uh, and then you look at the participation level in the high schools. Um, I think that we have a tremendous opportunity if we position it, we coordinate it, we connect all the dots and then we elevate, you know, the visibility of the sport to, in fact, do that. It has everything. Uh, you know, I can't, it's hard. To, it's hard to meet someone who doesn't have a track and field story. You know, either they participate in track and field cross country, it touched their life in some way, they know about it, they participate in it. So for me, I do not think that it is a pipe dream. I think it's aspirational, and I think it gives us a goal to shoot for. But I absolutely think that we can make it a top five watch sport.
0: Max, you should have seen my iron cross uh, when uh, we had high school gymnastics. Um, I would stand on the floor. And just put my arms out because I did not have the upper body strength to make that work, even though I was the starting catcher and starting point guard on the, the, the high school teams. So uh, we know that that what athletes are, are all about and the individual strengths. And, you know, what's also exciting was the video series, Going the Distance, that World Athletics did. And one of those seven athletes that was featured was New Jersey's own The Thing Mo, who certainly uh, really made a name for herself Kara, when you think about world athletics for somebody who might not be familiar with it, might not be that familiar with track and field or javelin, what do you want to tell them why it's important that they follow this?
1: I think what Max said is absolutely true. It's really hard to find someone who doesn't have a track and field story. But even I, like I've started running in retirement and it's so hard. Doug. <laughs> I got to be, you know, I got to run alongside um, a thing and Noah oh. Lyles at the end of world championships. And even their casual jog down the hundred meter straightaway in person while I'm running alongside them gives such perspective. So um, what I want for track and field is for people to get up close to it. And being in Oregon, being on home soil and having people in the stands who are fellow Americans who are seeing this stuff up close and personal for the first time um, was a huge step toward that. So I'm really excited in retirement to contribute however I can um, to, you know, kind of rethink how we do present the event and how we can translate distances and speeds and all that stuff for the casual viewer to fully be like, oh my gosh, that's so incredibly fast, far or high. Um, And it's just important because it's you know, it's the original Olympic sport. It's so pure. It's something that anybody, if you run down your driveway, um, can wrap their head around if they just have some parameters to be able to do so. So I just, I hope we, we reach those goals that we have firmly in mind and I'm ready to be a part of it as I exit the sport as an athlete.
0: And what a career you've had. Kara Winger is the pride of not only Seattle, Washington, where she was born, her hometown in Vancouver, Washington, and of course went on to Purdue University and had this amazing Olympic career. Hey, thanks for all the joy that you've given us through the years. And congratulations on your retirement. And I know you're still involved uh, in sports, so we will see you around. But uh, you've given us lots of thrills and lots of excitement to cheer for.
1: Thank you so much. I still cannot get over the 2022 season um, to finally... You know, become the person that I always thought I could be um, at the end of this long career with the support of my teammates, the USATF staff, my coaches, uh, my husband, namely, who was my technical coach this year, and to immediately be able to turn that around, um, both through involvement as an official with USATF, but also because I'm going to coach my friend Ari uh, with my husband for the remainder of her career. I just couldn't be more excited about where I left the sport as an athlete and where it's going um, in my retirement.
0: And for Max, you certainly have a connection uh, being the first African-American to graduate with honors from the Notre Dame Law School, native Indianapolis, and your son uh, also went to uh, Notre Dame, played football. So uh, the Fighting Irish, give them some words of encouragement here as we wrap up this edition of Sports Jam.
2: There's a long tradition of winning. Uh, There is a true commitment to the pursuit of excellence. Uh, the one thing that we lack up there is patience. So I would like to ask all the fans to be a little bit patient. I'm sure that the team uh, will come around. The program is going to continue to thrive. But most importantly, I love, I love the integrity of the program and that the young men and women come out of their sports experience at Notre Dame much better human beings. than they were uh, much stronger and much more equipped for life than when they went in there
0: in about a minute, tell us why World Athletics is going to continue to grow. Uh,
2: I think World Athletics is going to continue to grow. Um, They have amazing leadership. Uh, You know, I think, you know, the model is organizations form, they storm, they norm, and they perform, right? And so I think that World Athletics, with all of the governance reform that they have and all of the soul searching that we've done and now the innovation, I think we're in the performance phase of of the group. So amazing leadership, laser focused on the growth of the sport, excitement around um, the Olympics coming here domestically. So I'm encouraged by uh, the direction that we're headed as a, a global organization.
0: You don't get much better than Max Siegel and Kara Winger when we're talking about USA track and field. And specifically today, we're talking about world athletics and their connection, and also the Olympic connection with it. It's been an honor to have you both on Sports Jam. Kara, thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Doug.
0: Max, again, thanks. Doug, thanks for having me. Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can hear all my past shows by going to wbgo.org slash studios or wbgo.org slash sports jam. You can also find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts, Or wherever you hear podcasts. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.